AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. growing up, when did you first realize that the rest of the world was not like the neighborhood you lived in? Hmm, well, I grew up in Los Alamos, where I was surrounded by people with PhDs, and now I live on campus at UC Irvine, also surrounded by people with PhDs. Are you saying that's not typical? First of all, I feel uh, a little sad for you. (laughs) Second, uh, I think maybe you need to travel more. Hey, I mean, I have lots of friends who don't have PhDs. Like me, you mean? (laughs) You do know I have a PhD, right? Ooh, that's true, actually. Hmm. Well, I'm sure one of my friends out there doesn't have a PhD in something. Hmm. Probably. Sometimes you have to leave your comfort zone to discover what the rest of the world or the universe is like. Jorge, I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist by day and a podcaster by night. It makes it sound like you're a superhero. Like you you put on a costume and you go and fight crime and discover things. Wait, which is the alter ego and which is the superhero ego? Are you saying particle physicists <laughs> are superheroes or podcasters? <laughs> Well, since I'm not a physicist, I would say the podcasters are the superheroes. (laughs) That's right. By day, a boring, run-of-the-mill particle physicist, like the kind you meet at your grocery store every day. No, more like uh, during the day, you're a physicist, scientist, supervillain. Oh. And during night, then you try to fix fix it by uh, being a podcaster. That's right. And I take off my glasses to reveal my secret podcast identity. (laughs) Or you shave your beard every night. Never. That is the source of my knowledge and inspiration. <laughs> that's the source of your power. That's the source of uh, professor, male professor's powers. <laughs> that's right. I am the Samson of physics. <laughs> Before I grew this beard, I never achieved anything in science. Oh, man. What if you get a goatee? Does that cut your productivity in half? 
It's nonlinear. Well, welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we tackle all things about the universe that are mysterious, that are amazing, that are bonkers. From how the universe was formed, to how big is it, to how old the earth is, to whether or not your facial hair determines your evil or innocence. Yep, or whether being a podcaster makes you a superhero or not. (laughs) I think we all know the answer to that one. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, we talk about all the things that are interesting and different and fascinating about our universe, right? Especially the things around us. And we try to focus on the things that science is asking right now. The questions in the minds of scientists. We try to take you to the cutting edge of current science and then de-obscurify it. We don't use complicated words like de-obscurify. We try to make things clear and understandable. (laughs) You just contradicted yourself there, (laughs) I feel like. We try to explain things in the simplest way possible. When we explain our explaining, we use the most complicated (laughs) words possible. Hey, this is Daniel and Jorge explain the universe, not Daniel and Jorge explain the explaining. (laughs) And then welcome to our new podcast, Daniel and Jorge explain, (laughs) Daniel and Jorge explain the universe. That's right. The spinoff podcast. Exactly. I'm looking forward to that one. You know, a lot of TV shows now have like an after show. Mm. So that's the better off Saul of podcasts. Yeah. The Let's Talk Daniel and Jorge (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Doesn't that need to have somebody else on it, though, where they can ridicule all of our jokes? (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Let's pretend to be some other person. Oh, there you go. I'll be David and you'll be Guillermo. David and Jose. (laughs) David and Jose ridicule Daniel and Jorge. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, yeah, we talk about all the things scientists want to know and um, and how they look at the universe as well. Right. Like, you know, one way to look at the universe is to compare it to the things around us. That's right. And something we're always trying to do in science is understand our context, is understand where we live, because, hey, this is our planet and our solar system. We'd like to know, is the rest of the universe similar to what we're finding around us, or is it totally different? Yeah, because we, we like the Earth, presumably, and it's pretty comfortable. And I'm pro-Earth. You're pro-Earth. <laughs> you're pretty con- pro-Earth. I'm taking a controversial opinion here. At night, you're pro-Earth. Probably during the day, you're anti-Earth. <laughs> Well, it's not like particle physicists threaten to destroy the universe at any moment, so. (laughs) On purpose, right. (laughs) On purpose. Hey, intentions matter, okay? I'm sure they matter once we're all made out of uh, dissolved particles. No, but we want to understand the world around us, and we want to understand if there are other worlds out there. And we'd also just like to know, is the thing that we've been studying for the entire history of science, is it normal? Is it typical? Or are we studying something which turns out to be really unusual and that we can't generalize from to get sort of deeper truths about the nature of the universe? Yeah, we like the Earth, we like our solar system, but um, is the rest of the universe like us? And we're in an amazing moment in human history when we're for the first time really getting glimpses for what the rest of the universe looked like. You know, for thousands of years, all we could see were other stars. We didn't even know if there were other planets out there. And then fairly recently in human history, thousands of years ago, we discovered that there are other planets out there. And now super recently, just like 20 years ago, we've begun seeing planets around other stars. So we can now ask and answer this question people have been wondering about for thousands and thousands of years. So today on the podcast, we'll be asking the question. Is our solar system weird or typical? And either way, we love it, right? It's our solar system. Whatever label you put on it, we like it. But we're still curious. 
Is it sort of the oddball solar system? It's the only one we've been studying for a long time. Or is it pretty typical? Yeah, this is a really cool question. And because, you know, I think you, you, we, grew, we grew up in this solar system, right? And we don't have, we have no idea whether it's every other solar system looks like this one or whether we're like this really weird, odd, special gem or disaster, depending on how things work out, of a solar system. Yeah, and it's all we could have studied for the longest time because our telescopes couldn't see any further. So we were limited to only looking at our cosmic neighborhood, to studying our planet and the ones nearby. And so, of course, we were curious what else was out there in the rest of the universe. But imagine if you'd only lived in your hometown your whole life and you'd never received any news in the outside world. And so you didn't know that people ate differently in other countries and people went to the bathroom differently in other countries and dressed differently and spoke differently. You imagined that everything else in the world was sort of like your hometown. That's where we are right now in science. We're wondering if those other solar systems are totally different or just the same as ours. Yeah, you're saying humanity sort of like a like those meerkats you see in documentaries where we're just finally sticking our head out of the, the hole in the ground that we've been living in and looking around us. Yeah, but we've been desperate to do it for for a long time. And we've only recently built a technology that's let us see other solar systems and start to get an answer to this question. Yeah, because, you know, I feel like most people just assume that the rest of the universe looks like our solar system and our planet, right? Like if you look at most science fiction TV shows and movies, you know, everywhere they go, it sort of looks suspiciously like Earth. Yeah, and I think that's a failure of imagination, especially on the part of science fiction. When you fly to another planet and, you know, hey, it has oxygen on it and trees and hills and water that look just like ours. And, oh, people on it that look just like ours, but their foreheads are slightly wrinkly. I think that's a failure of imagination. But it's also sort of understandable because it's hard to imagine things totally different from anything you've ever seen before. That's why good science fiction is rare. Did you just insult all of Star Trek and Star Wars? (laughs) That was supposed to be sort of like a subtweet. Didn't mention it by name, but yeah. Yeah, and so the question is, are those science fiction movies right? Are are there really other Earths out there? Are other solar systems like ours? Or are we unique in this universe? And so as usual, we were wondering how, what people thought about this question, whether people thought that we are unique or whether things are very different out there in the universe. So I walked around campus and I asked random students about other random solar systems. Think for a moment. Do you think other solar systems look like ours? Is our solar system typical? Or is our solar system going to turn out to be really weird, the galactic oddball? Here's what people had to say. From what I know, it's typical. Um, I mean, depends what you say typical is, considering there's billions of stars, but it's not unusual. No, I have no idea. It's probably random. If there were gases on a planet that were closer to the sun or like the star, maybe they would like dissipate faster? I think that it's random. I think it's same. <laughs> I do not know. I think it's random. I think it's going to be different because our solar system, it revolves around the sun. I think other systems are going to be different. So what do you think of those answers, Jorge? Pretty good, I thought. I, I felt like people had a strong opinion about this topic. You know, everyone said, uh, I think it's X. 
you know, nobody said, I don't know. Yeah. Or only one, only a few people said, I had no idea. But a lot of people were like, oh, I think I have an opinion about this. Yeah. Given that nobody really knows the answer to this question, I was a little surprised <laughs> at the strength of people's opinions. I mean, I often ask people questions and they go, I have no idea. Quantum what? But this time people had an opinion. And maybe that's just because people have thought about this. They've wondered what other solar systems look like. They've thought about traveling to the stars and walking on those planets and wondered if they would be like ours. I wonder if you would get different answers if you caveat each time you ask these questions, if you caveat them with, oh, and by the way, some of the smartest people in the world don't know the answer to this. <laughs> that would be so much less fun. <laughs> Who would want to answer that? Nobody. <laughs> I love when people speculate. I love seeing them in their minds sort of take this question on sometimes for the first time and formulate an answer. And my favorite moments are when you can see somebody giving an answer that sort of surprises themselves. They think about it, they give an answer like, oh, I didn't realize I do think that. That's fascinating. It makes you wonder how much we actually think about the things we say. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm just listening to my own self talk and I'm like, what did he just say? So that's the question of the day is, is our solar system unique or is it pretty typical? And if it's not typical, how different could it be out there? And you should count yourself lucky to live in a time when we will know the answer to this question. Some of the greatest minds in history, Galileo, Einstein, Newton, even recent people like Richard Feynman, they looked up at the stars and they wondered if other solar systems looked like ours. They all died not knowing the answer. All you have to do is listen to this podcast. Yeah, so you're welcome. <laughs> Are you taking credit for all the scientific discoveries? Thank you, Jorge, who personally built the Hubble Space Telescope with his own hands. I signed the back of it. I don't know if um, anyone will ever. <laughs> you drew a doodle on it? Are you the official cartoonist of the Space Telescope? Technically, you can't prove that I didn't sign the back of the Hubble Telescope. Ooh, I'd need another telescope trained on the Space Telescope to see the back of it. I wonder <laughs> if anybody ever does that. But yeah, do you think, so yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm sure a lot of people have asked uh, before. So let's break it down for people, Daniel. Let's talk about our solar system and then let's talk about what other solar systems, what we know about other solar systems out there. Right. And our solar system is actually quite fascinating because it has some sort of trends in it. And we have to remember that all of our knowledge of solar systems and how they're formed, all of our theories, of how solar systems were built, have been developed over decades or hundreds of years based on just this one example, our solar system. So, you know, we sort of tuned these theories to describe what we've seen here. And now comes the big test to see whether these theories can be applied and explain other solar systems. Right, because I think maybe people, a lot of people don't realize that we, we can't just, up until very, very recently and only just now barely, we haven't really been able to like take a telescope, point it at another star and see another solar system, right? Like it's up until very, very recently, it's been a complete mystery what other solar systems look like. Yeah, the first planet around another star was seen just over 20 years ago. So it's a blip in human history and even in scientific history. But even before we talk about the other solar systems, our solar system is interesting. Like there are some weird trends in it. You know, the first four planets in the solar system are all rocky planets. Planets basically come in two flavors, rocky or gassy. <laughs> sounds like a... Sounds like a bad ice cream shop. Yeah, like... <laughs> like a... Like what happens when a lactose intolerant person goes to an ice cream shop? <laughs> yeah, well, the first four planets have surfaces on them, right? You got Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. These are basically balls of rock, rock and metal. And so we call those rocky planets. 
and there's no gas planets in the inner four. Instead, you have the four rocky planets, then you have the asteroid belt that we dug into in a recent episode. And then after the asteroid belt, you got the gas giants and the ice giants. You got Saturn, you got Jupiter, you got Uranus and Neptune. And those are pretty different from the inner planets. Is there a reason we don't have liquid planets or like wet planets <laughs> or like giant balls of, of, of a liquid floating around? Well, we can't have liquid planets in the far solar system. We have basically ice giants. Uranus and Neptune, a huge fraction of them is made of water, but it's frozen. Of course, it's too cold out there. There is, of course, water here on Earth. But could you have just like an entire drop of water be a planet? That would be pretty amazing. I yeah. think the pressure from it would probably crystallize the inside. So it would basically become an ice planet with a ocean around it. Oh, kind of like a Europa? Or what's, yeah. the, what's, what's the moon that's like a giant ocean? Yeah, Europa has a huge, actually thick crust of ice on top and then a layer of water underneath, like an ocean underneath. And then we don't know what's inside of that. Yeah, so that's like an M&M sort of. But is the reason we don't have liquid planets just to, just to, depending on the elements that we have in our solar system? I don't think you could make a blob of, of liquid water large enough stay liquid because the core mm. of it would just be too dense. It would form a solid. Like by, by the time it got big enough to be called a planet, would, it would totally not be liquid. Yeah, the gravitational pressure would make the inside of it become a solid or, or something more dense. So it wouldn't be liquid anymore. Do you have this fantasy of right. swimming through like a planet-sized yeah. pool of, of water? Yeah, the, the universe's biggest swimming pool. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Nothing but a huge drop of water the size of the Earth and then a single diving board. Boing, splash. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you think you have an infinity pool? I have a... <laughs> a planety pool. Universe, universe infinity pool. <laughs> but no, we don't have any liquid planets in our solar system. But hey, maybe, you know, we'll find planets in other solar systems that are liquids and they will prove us wrong. And maybe liquid yeah. planets are possible. But we don't happen to have any in our solar system. Instead, we have four rocky planets, the asteroid belt, and then... The, the gas giants and the ice giants. And you're saying that's kind of funny in that it's sort of like a pattern, like it's four rocky, asteroid belt, gas giants. It's not like rocky, gas, rocky, gas, 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 rocky. Yeah, it doesn't seem random. Here's a question from a listener, Camille, who thought just the same thing. Hello, Daniel and Jorge. On one of the recent episodes I have listened to your show, which was all about the asteroid belt, you, Daniel, mentioned that there must be a reason why we have solid rocky planets before the asteroid belt and then only gas giants afterwards. But you never got to answering this question. Is there a reason? Do we know why is it like this? Did we see this kind of pattern around other stars? I'm dying to know. That's such a good point. Thank you, Camille, for sending in that question. And every time you see a pattern, you think maybe there's a reason and you want to untangle that reason. Now, it's very dangerous when you're drawing conclusions from one example. If you visit somebody's house and they're like, oh, look, their family is boy, 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 girl, 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 you're going to conclude there's a reason, <laughs> right, that they all have younger girls and older boys. But if you're only looking at one house, you're going to be totally wrong. That would be kind of impolite to ask, Daniel. <laughs> you're like, did you guys try? Are you, are you doing something different? You know, when you, um, um. <laughs> you know, you'd be desperate to know, though. You'd be super curious. <laughs> and also there's lots of families where it's like, five boys and then a girl and you know that they were trying for a girl and they finally got one and that's when they stopped having kids that's when they're like we're closing shop <laughs> right. yeah so maybe our solar system's closed shop after after neptune or uranus <laughs> we're done trying to make a liquid planet it's not happening we're giving it's up. not happening <laughs> <laughs> sorry we're trying to make a giant swimming pool but 
You know, it just hasn't happened. That's right. The kids got to go swim somewhere else. Need to stop. But so we do have some explanations we've cooked up. But of course, the proviso is we don't know if this works until we try to apply it to other solar systems. And the basic idea is that you don't get gas giants close into the sun because the sun has all this radiation it's spewing out, the solar wind. And that basically blows out all of the light elements, the hydrogen, the helium, all the stuff you need to make a gas giant, all the gas, it blows it away from the sun. So that's why you don't have gas giants close up to their star. It's kind of like a, a cloud. If it gets too close to the sun, it would just kind of whoosh, evaporate. Yeah. And so that's sort of the explanation for why you have rocky planets close in. And then in the outer planets, it's colder. And so instead of having liquid water, you have ice. And then that ice helps the core of the planets form. You're like, you know, how does a planet form anyway? You have the initial sort of disk of stuff from the, that formed the whole solar system and some of it is spinning and so it doesn't fall into the star. And then in the outer reaches, it's cold enough that you have ice and that helps accumulate the gravity, very slowly gather the stuff together. And because you have ice out there, it can sort of add ice to your basic planet core and they can get big enough to suck up all the gas and the, the hydrogen and the helium. Because remember, hydrogen and helium is very light, which means it's hard to hold on to. You need a huge gravitational mass to attract that. So to make a gas giant, you have to form a really big core of some metals and some ice in order to pull in the rest of the gas. And that can only happen in the outer reaches of the solar system where you have ice. And so the reason you get gas giants in the outer solar system is because that's where the gas is and because that's where the ice is to help pull those light gases together into a gas giant. At least that's our theory and that's based on just what we've observed. All right, so that explains why our solar system looks the way it does. Why it's like rocky in the middle and then gassy uh, out there in the edges of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, that's kind of the picture of our solar system. We have a yellow sun, some rocky planets, some asteroids, and then giant gas balls um, swirling around the edges. of. Precisely. And remember, we've been aware of this for decades and decades and decades. And so we had a long time to cook up this model based on just this one solar system. It's become very fine-tuned and, and very sort of baroque to explain exactly what we're seeing. And so now comes wow. the test. Now we get to apply it to other solar systems and see if it also explains what we see out there. Yeah. All right, so let's get into what other solar systems look like. But first, let's take a quick break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right, we're talking about how our solar system may or may not be different than other solar systems out there. And we know we have a pretty good picture, you were saying, of our solar system. And it's taken us a while, but we can have a good idea of how our solar system formed, sort of, and or why it looks mm-hmm. like rocky planets and then gas giants. Mm-hmm. And so now the question is, do, is this what other solar systems look like? Like if I went to a nearby star, would I also see you know, a similar sun, similar rocky planets in the middle, and similar gas giants on the edges. Yeah, so maybe we should start from the center, right, from the star. That is, of course, the easiest thing to see. Our star is something we call a yellow dwarf. And it turns out that even our kind of star is unusual. Only like 10% of the stars in our galaxy are yellow dwarfs. The rest are something else we call a red dwarf. And these uh, names um, have to do with not just uh, like the size of the sun, but also how old the sun is, right? Yeah, they tell you something about where the sun is in its life cycle. And there's lots of different sort of paths that a sun can take depending on how much mass it started with. And we had a whole episode about stellar evolution and based on the size that the sun started with, it will follow a certain path. And so the name of the star tells you sort of which path it's on and sort of how far along that path is. But most of the stars in our galaxy are red dwarfs, which mean that they're older than our sun and they're colder and they're smaller. So if you want as much heat that we, as we feel on Earth, you'd have to be closer to the star than you would be to ours. So our sun is kind of a, is big for compared to other stars in the universe. And it's also kind of young, right? Like I think we're, we're sort of like in the teenage years of our sun. It's big compared to most of the stars in the galaxy. Of course, there are other stars out there that totally dwarf it. There are these huge giants out there that are fantastically bigger than our star, but they're unusual. Most of the stars in the galaxy are smaller and colder and older than ours. And ours is also different in another really fascinating way in that it's by itself. Our star doesn't have a companion star. It's not like there's another star orbiting it. Turns out most stars actually formed together. Two, like a pair of stars. Right. So our sun is uh, all alone. Or, or as uh, uh, Emma Watson would say, we're, our sun is self-partnered. <laughs> yeah. Our star is like the runaway teenage star. 
It's all by itself in this lonely universe. 90% of other stars in the universe are totally different than our sun. Yeah. Yeah. So right there, if you want to extrapolate from our solar system to others, you have to be careful because most solar systems have a very different kind of star. And that doesn't mean it's going to be a completely different solar system or that it's impossible to live there. But it means if you want the same amount of heat, for example, you have to be closer up. So the, the Goldilocks zone for these stars is smaller than it is for our star. If the sun is colder, then you need to be closer to it to, be, to have any life as we know it here on Earth. Yeah, to have liquid water on the surface, for example, which is basically what you need to have life, we think, life as we've defined it, right? Then you need to be close enough to the star to get enough radiation, and that would be closer to those smaller, colder stars than to ours. And so 90% of stars are different out there, which means that if you are in another planet in another solar system, you know, 90% of the time, it's not going to look like it looks like here. It's not going to look like a bright yellow, you know, sun. Yeah, it'd be a little redder and a little colder. It sounds like maybe in a lot of or most solar systems out there, it would look like in Star Wars where they see two suns in the horizon. Yeah, most of them have companions. And those aren't necessarily super close together. Sometimes the companions can be kind of far apart. But yeah, most stars have another star pretty close by and they're orbiting each other. But ours is by itself. And that's, that's more unusual than typical. So already our star is unusual in two ways in that it's by itself and that it's a yellow dwarf. So already our solar system is, is pretty odd compared to the universe. Well, now let's, let's talk about the Earth. Is that a planet like planet Earth weird? to have in a solar system out there, or is it pretty common? It turns out that the most common planet to have in one of these solar systems is not the Earth. It's something called a super Earth. It's a, a, a rocky planet that's like 10 or 15 times bigger than the Earth. And they categorize these planets in other solar systems by giving them names relative to our planets that like define the various categories. So like you have an Earth planet or a super Earth up to, you know, 10 to the, or 15 times the Earth. Anything bigger than that, they call it like a mini Neptune. So that's the names of these categories. And oh. it, most solar systems have a super Earth. It's the most common planet out there. Now you'll notice we don't have a super Earth. There's no planet in our solar system that's a rocky planet that's like 10 times the size of Earth. Is the Earth the biggest rocky planet in our solar system? Yeah, the Earth and Venus. Venus is almost as big as the Earth. Mars and Mercury are much smaller. And so the Earth is the biggest rocky planet in our solar system. But most solar systems, you would find one that's like 10 or 15 times bigger. Bigger in terms of like the radius or like the, you know, the, the weight of it? Yeah, 10 times the mass, which doesn't quite correspond to 10 times the radius because, you know, there's some nonlinear effects there. But it's a lot more stuff, right? It's a, 10 times as many rocks came together to form a planet. And so we don't really know what that means. This is something we've only recently figured out. We don't know if that means that the distribution of rocks in our solar system was different when it formed. Or maybe there was a super big planet, but it got broken up. We don't really know. Is this just random and we got unlucky? Or is there some important reason for why our solar system looks different in this important way? We just don't know. So the, if there are scientists on those other Earths, they would probably say that we live in mini Earth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they would say, hey, look at this weird solar system we found. It has only mini rocky planets. How cute. Look at those tiny little planets. <laughs> baby earths look at those tiny little people with tiny heads <laughs> not only is our solar system weird in the, that our sun is weird but also our earth is really weird 
So most Earths out there are much, much bigger. Yeah, and some solar systems we found out there just have more planets sort of tucked in close to the sun. Like we found this one solar system, it's called the Trappist system. It has seven planets within six million miles of their sun. And remember, the Earth is like 90 million miles from our sun. So they have seven planets tucked in like around the distance that Mercury is. Wow, just spinning around uh, like, like crazy. Yeah, just spinning around like crazy. So most of the solar systems we've seen have more planets close to the sun than ours. Now, this is hard to know. It might be that there's a bias here because it's harder to see planets that are far from the sun because the way we observe them, remember, is we see planets like passing in front of the sun. And if a planet is going around the sun every hundred years, it just doesn't pass in front of the sun as often. So it's easier for us to see planets that are close to their sun. So it might be that there's a bias there that we're finding the weird ones first, but they don't think so. They think they've accounted for that effect and they think it's still real that the average solar system out there has more planets close to the sun than ours. Interesting. So the average solar system out there is busier. Yeah, especially close in. Like more, I guess, more concentrated. Yeah, it's like a traffic jam every day, all day. <laughs> for the for for eternity, literally. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, it means it's not as hard to get from planet to planet. Like your neighboring uh -huh. planet is more like a neighbor. You know, you could jump from planet to planet. It wouldn't take hundreds of days like it would take for us to get from Earth to Mars. You could get to the next planet in, you know, just a few days. Right. And maybe even more dangerous too, right? Because um, all those planets that close together, they some of them could crash into each other, right? Yeah. And they can also affect each other's orbits, right? Planets are big. And remember, these planets are not tiny things. And so they can tweak each other's orbits. There's lots more weird gravitational interactions. And we've also seen that. We've seen that a lot of these solar systems have weird orbits. Like in our solar system, things are very neatly laid out. Like the planets are sort of equally spaced and everything is separated, and everything is mostly flat in a single plane, and pretty circular, though not completely. But other solar systems, the orbits we're seeing are really eccentric. They're much less circular. Some of them like, there's one, for example, I looked up, and it, and it goes from being just a few million miles of its from its star on one side to 200 million miles on the other. So it like gets super close and then whizzes out really far away. Right, because orbits can be not just circular or oval shaped, they can also be kind of off center from the, the sun. Kind of like comets have these weird elliptical orbits that are like go really far out and then come back in really close, right? Yeah, and comets don't have to be sort of on the plane of the planets. And what we're seeing is that other solar systems don't always have the same orderly plane, that the planets are all, all on different planes. And we don't know what that means. We don't know, like, is that typical? And our solar system is just kind of weirdly, randomly well-ordered? Or... Maybe something happened in those solar systems. There were some collisions because everything was so crowded in and they got tugged and thrown off into weird orbits. We just don't know. I feel like we're getting more and more into the idea that maybe our solar system is really weird. It's like we have a weird sun and a weird earth and a weird, weird arrangement of planets and a weird orbit. It's like it's just right. Yeah, and we're like that kid that went to school for the first time and discovered that his family is really, really weird. Nobody else eats peanut butter and pickle <laughs> sandwiches for lunch and dresses in that weird way or whatever. And the other thing that, that I find really fascinating is that, you know, in our solar system, we have all the gas giants on the outside. We thought we had an explanation for that, that the gas was blown out by the solar wind. But in other solar systems, we find these planets we call hot Jupiters, big gas giants that are close to their stars, close enough to be hot. 
right? They're trending. <laughs> right. Exactly. They're viral Jupiters. No, but for example, there's a system, um, I won't pronounce the name because it's just letters and numbers, but there's a Jupiter-sized planet that's so close to its star, it orbits every two days. What? It's whipping around the sun every two days. Yeah, but it's the size of Jupiter. And so people wonder, like, how did this planet form? There's not enough gas in our understanding in the center of the solar system to form a gas giant. Right? The gas either fell into the sun to form the star or got blown out by that star into the outer reaches of those solar systems. So how do you make a hot Jupiter? If it's just a cloud of gas, wouldn't it just kind of, you know, whipping around that fast? Wouldn't it just kind of break apart or dissolve or smear? It, but no, it's somehow spinning around every two days. Yeah, and maybe it has a really strong magnetic field, which helps protect it from the solar radiation and the solar wind from blowing it apart. We don't know. And one idea is that maybe it did form on the outer reaches of that solar system, but then sort of moved up, like bumped the other planets mm -hmm. out of the way to get closer to the sun. This could happen, right? Planets can change orders. Wow. So you're basically saying that like our nice orderly solar system with the rocky planets first and our gas giants out there is maybe not even typical either, like that sort of arrangement. You, you can have gas giants close to the sun and you could probably have rocky planets out there. Yeah, we have seen hot Jupiters. We've seen solar systems with gas giants close to the sun. And in some of these, it does look like maybe they did migrate in from the outside because we don't see like a lot of other inner planets nearby. What would happen if Jupiter, for example, moved in and tried to take over Venus's orbit? Well, Earth and Mars and Venus and Mercury we would probably get tossed out of the solar system by Jupiter's gravity. And that's what we see in these solar systems with a hot Jupiter. We don't see a lot of other inner planets. So we think maybe, mm. you know, the big gas giant bully came in and cleared out the playground. All right. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways in which our solar system is weird, right? In terms of the sun, the earth and the, the gas giants. And so now let's talk about um, some of the ideas that scientists have about whether solar systems all form the same way or whether... Uh, our somehow made it into this special configuration uh, for a special reason. But first, let's take a quick break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. All right, so let's talk about um, what ideas scientists have to explain all these weird types of solar systems. Like, uh, why is ours different? How do other solar systems form? What's the sort of prevailing theory about how solar systems are made? Yeah, so the theory we had for a long time before we saw all these other solar systems, we call that the core accretion theory. And it basically says you start from a big rotating blob of gas and dust and some ice and the star forms and the rest of it, you get you accrete the cores of these planets. That just means that like, the biggest rock that happens to be out there gathers up other rocks around it and they form and they gather more stuff until you get stuff big enough stuff to make a planet. And that's how we explain how you get Jupiter, for example. You gather together a bunch of rocks and ice and that sucks up all the gas also. Stuff was just floating around and then they just, because of gravity, just formed into planets. Yeah. You know, like um, condensation almost. And one thing that people have always wondered about that theory that they didn't really like is that it takes a long time. I mean, gravity is really weak. And we're talking about when you start, you're tugging on really small bits, you know, bits of gas and bits of dust and tiny little pebbles. So it's going to take a long time to make Jupiter out of bits of sand, right? And they worry that it takes so long to form the core, this, you know, the dust and the ice, that by then all the gas will just have floated away or been blown away by the solar wind. So there's always been this bit of tension. Like, how do you get these planets to form soon enough that they can gather any of that less leftover gas. So that's the old idea and the sort of the concerns people have with it. And now that we've seen these other solar systems, they're wondering, well, maybe we need new ideas. And so there is a new idea on the block. Oh, I see. Because this idea that solar systems kind of form slowly um, might explain, may not even explain ours. But looking at other solar systems, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't really have a good idea about how solar systems form because whatever we come up with has to work for all of these other solar systems. 
Yeah. And, you know, you need inspiration in science. And so this old idea was inspired by this one example. Now that we've seen these other examples, it sort of stretches us in the right way to come up with new ideas for how you could explain these examples. And so one of these new ideas is called the disk instability model. That idea is basically that when the solar system formed, you had this disk, but it wasn't like a nice, calm, smooth disk that was slowly formed from the rotating blob, but that there was still a lot of sort of stuff going on. There's a lot of action there. And that these instabilities, this action inside the disk might be a way to get these planets to form sooner and also for them to form closer to their stars. Wait, what do you mean disk instability? Like uh, there's something extra special going on that makes hot Jupiters and, and weird planets like that? Yeah, if the model you have in your head is sort of like a, a giant stately cloud, which is slowly rotating and then gradually gathering together into a flat disk, that's the core accretion model. It assumes that everything's sort of very smoothly flowing. But if instead it's a bit more turbulent, if there's a little bit more chaos in there, you know, it's more like a storm and it's being squeezed by gravity a little bit, but there's still sort of stuff going on inside of it. That stuff, that energy can be used to sort of collide stuff together and make, and from those instabilities, form gravitational cores that can that can gather stuff more rapidly. Oh, and that would explain our solar systems or sort of all solar systems? Well, it's not a very popular model yet, and it's very fresh, but it might explain how our solar system got gas giants because it lets you form planets more rapidly. And it also might explain how you were able to form gas giants close to the star because you could form them quickly enough that you could form them before all the gas was blown away by the sun. But it's still, it's a very fresh model and it hasn't gained wide acceptance yet. So it could be like, a, maybe it's just a, like the way solar systems form is just this very chaotic process. And sometimes you get solar systems like ours and sometimes you get totally different solar systems. Yeah, precisely. And the other idea is about planetary migration. People think that maybe it's not unusual for planets to sort of tug each other out of orbit and switch spots, you know, to take each other's seats. And... There's even the idea that it could have happened in our solar system. People think that maybe, yeah, people think that maybe Saturn and Jupiter used to have an opposite order. And there was another planet out there, a big ice giant. And the three of them were sort of in this chaotic bumping of each other. And they switched, Saturn and Jupiter switched and tossed the other planets sort of out to the far reaches of the solar system. And we just did a whole episode about Planet Nine. That could explain like why Planet Nine is so far out there. So uh, you're saying um, that uh, even if you, you form a solar system, it can still change. It can still, you can still switch it around and change the structure of it, even when it's sort of stable and floating along. Yeah, and that means something interesting for our solar system. It could be in the future, if you went away on a spaceship for a billion years and came back, that you could come back and find the solar system looking quite different, right? Jupiter might have moved in on Mercury's territory and become hot and tossed out all the other planets. We just don't know. We don't know if this configuration is stable on billion-year timescales. That would be pretty cool if you left for a few million years and then came back and you're like, what happened to my house? Who remodeled? <laughs> just like everybody who goes away to college and comes back after Thanksgiving and like, hey, everything <laughs> looks different. You turned my plan into a workout room? What? <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like uh, our solar system is not, it is weird. That's the answer to the, today's question. It is kind of weird in that you know, our sun is single and hot and young. <laughs> and uh, we, we apparently live on a mini earth. On a not super earth. And it's also weird that we have all, all of our gas giants out there floating out there far 
away from the sun. And so it, it is, uh, sounds like it is sort of a special case our solar system. Like if we go to other solar systems, we should be prepared to see things that are very different. Yeah, and I'm so glad that that's the answer. It would be so boring if we discovered every solar system looked like ours and that the idea we had for how the solar system formed was pretty much bang on. It's exactly what you hope for in science, that once you open up new eyeballs or build bigger eyeballs, that you see surprises, that you learn things, the things that shake up your ideas for how our home and our solar system have been made and maybe gives us a bit of a special appreciation for this particular little cute mini Earth we find ourselves on. Yeah, maybe you'll go to another solar system and everybody will have two PhDs. You'll be like, what? <laughs> the Bruce Banner solar system? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we hope you, the next time you think about your planet or the solar system we're in, you sort of think about how special it is and how weird it is and how unique it is out there in the universe. And in five years or 20 years or 50 years, we could find even more weird, surprising solar systems out there that challenge our very concept of what the universe looks like. Yeah, so stay tuned. And keep funding science. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.